Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Good morning, Vintage Church. Do y'all like that? Y'all felt that? Yeah, I felt that. I saw y'all bobbing out there. Uh, My name is John McCann. I serve as one of the pastors here at Vintage Church, and I'm so excited that you are worshiping with us this morning. Um, You have come the right day because we are kicking off a new series, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. When I say can't stop, y'all say won't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so we are so excited to be kicking off this series because guess what? We, we realize something here at Vintage Church that as you go through life, sometimes things are going to get hard. Sometimes we're going to want to stop. Sometimes we're going to want to stop believing. Sometimes we're going to stop going to school. Sometimes we're going to stop loving other people. Sometimes we're going to want to stop. But we're going to look at scripture and, and we want you to be encouraged not to stop. Because we have Jesus Christ on our side. So as you think about the the word of God, you know, there's a lot of stuff in scripture about, you know, biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. Um, But one thing's for sure, this is what our music director tells us. He tells us that, um, you know, that men, I don't know if you knew this, if if you knew this or not, but in the Bible it tells us that men are supposed to make coffee. Did y'all know that? And, I, and we were on a trip, we were on a retreat, the staff, and he was telling us, yeah, did y'all know that the Bible tells us that men are supposed to make coffee? And we're like, no, we didn't know that. Um, and then he was like, yeah, and then get ready for the punchline. He was like, you know, that's why it says he brews. I was like, good one, good one. Um, anyway, we're going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 1 this morning. Um, you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our Connect team's coming down. We would love to place one of these in your hand. We believe there's nothing better that you can do than to take God's word home, read it, and let it transform your life. So uh, this week is a very exciting week coming up. Does anybody know why? Valentine's Day. He's going to get some extra points from his wife. Um, Yes, Valentine's Day is coming up. Who's excited about it? Ooh, we don't have a lot of love in here. (laughs) We need to do a sermon series on love. Um, But Valentine's Day is coming up, and I don't know if you know much about Valentine's Day. You know, for some of the the ladies, they usually get super excited. They're like, yay! And some of the guys are like, nay! And all the single people are like, nay! Jesus be my Valentine. Um, But but as we think about Valentine's Day, it's coming up, but it actually started— um, the, I don't know if you know where Valentine's Day started, but it originated in third century in Rome. Um, and what was going on was the emperor at the time, he recognized that the young soldiers, he recognized the young soldiers they, that were married, they didn't fight as well. So he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show them. So he puts this law in place, true story, puts this law in place, and he's like, all right, none of the young soldiers are going to be able to get married anymore. So, of course, you know, they were mad, they were angry. You know, so they couldn't get married, but there was a priest. His name was Valentine. And Valentine was like, you know what? These young people, they're in love. You know, I need to help them get married. So behind the back of the rules and the laws at that time, he started marrying young couples. So the emperor finds out. He gets all upset. He's like, who's this guy marrying these young men? These young men are supposed to stay single. Who is he? So he gets them, and he arrests them, and he brings them into prison because he was going to lock them up and kill them. So while he was getting ready to be executed pretty much, um, he falls in love with one of the uh, guardsmen's daughter. 
So they fall in love. He's in prison. He's about to die. She's visiting him, bringing him some cookies. And, um, you know, they're just talking and they're falling in love. And before he goes to die, um, he didn't get a chance to see her, so he writes a letter. He writes a letter to her and he says how much he loves her. And at the very bottom of the letter, it says, from your Valentine. Oh. And she gets the letter and, and he dies. Oh. <laughs> Shouldn't be laughing at that, but he dies. Um, and he says, from your Valentine. And word got out about this letter, you know, from your Valentine. Um, so a couple hundred years later, um, he, and then he died. He was executed on February 14th. 2070 A.D. So a couple hundred years later, they decided they wanted to honor him. He became a saint in the Catholic Church, and that is how Valentine's Day started. There you go. So next time when you're on your date on Thursday night, say, did you know how Valentine's Day started, sweetie? You know, get some extra points. But that's how it started. And as I think about Valentine's Day, I think about myself. You know, you think about flowers. A lot of people like to buy a lot of flowers for Valentine's Day. I think about myself. When I was younger, I didn't have flowers, but I thought there was a girl when I was in elementary school. I really liked her. It was around, around Valentine's Day, so I was like, there was a big race coming up. So I didn't have any money for flowers, so I told myself if I could win this race, she'll fall in love with me. She'll be my Valentine's. So I, it was a fun day, fun run. So we start this race. I'm taking off. I'm running. I'm running. I'm in first place, y'all. I'm like, yes, she's going to love me. She's going to be my Valentine's. It's going to be awesome. And I'm running. I'm running. I'm in front of everybody. And you know what happens? All the way in Kenner, there were some potholes. The potholes made it all the way to Kenner. So I hit this pothole, and I, run, and I fall on the ground, and I scrape my, my knee, and I'm bleeding, and I'm crying, and everybody's running past me, and I'm thinking, Man, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be going to be by myself for Valentine's Day. Um, and I'm on the ground, bleeding, crying. And in this moment, I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop. I just, I just, I felt like it was too late. I felt like I couldn't get back up. I felt like I couldn't keep on running. I felt like it was over. I felt like I wanted to stop. And, and if we're honest, in life, we run into different situations where we feel like stopping. We're going to be real this morning. We're going to be honest because the truth of the matter is there are certain situations in our life, whether it relates to our career, whether it relates to our family life, whether it relates to the task that God has placed in our hands to do, whether it relates to leading, to loving, to forgiving. There are things in life, if we're honest with ourselves, that sometimes hit us. We feel like stopping. We feel like stopping. But this morning, as we, as we start and as we are on this anticipate initiative here at Vintage Church, we're going to be walking through the book of Hebrews. We're walking through the book of Hebrews, and we're going to break it up into chunks over the next two years. I'm getting it started today with Hebrews 1. But we want you to know, can't stop, won't stop. We want you to know, can't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. So let's look as if we have a couple of resources for you. Um, you can go to VC NOLA at Can't Stop, Won't Stop. We're going to have a couple of different um, things on there for you, resources if you want to study a little bit more about the book of Hebrews. Write that down. We have some more uh, resources that will also be uploaded there this week, but they have some there right now. But let's begin reading at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to read the whole thing, the whole thing. So let's, let's begin reading. It says, long ago... 
At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Somebody say his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also uh, also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So what's going on right here? That they're saying that before the prophets, there was, you know, the prophets were the, the, the main way that God communicated to us. But now we have Jesus, the son of God. And then they go into verse four, talking about comparing him to angels. How many people used to watch Touched by an Angel? A couple people. All right. That was a great show. Right here, that's basically saying Jesus was better than Touched by the Angels. He was better than Andrew and Tess and Monica and all of them. Um, so he would say he was better. And then we go to verse 5. It says, for to which of the angels did God ever say? So he, he starts saying this is why God and Jesus is superior to angels. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions." And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and yours years have your, your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are, <clears throat> are to inherit salvation? And the word of the Lord is blessed. So that's Hebrews chapter 1. It's a lot in there. We're going to unpack it. Um, I'll start off talking about who's the author of Hebrews. So there's a lot of stuff out there about Hebrews. We don't actually know who the exact author was. Um, some people think it was Paul. Some people think it was Barnabas, Luke, Apollos, or Clement of Rome. But as you study scripture, as you're looking at the New Testament and you're trying to figure out who wrote what, um, there are three things that are in this letter that, make, that, you know, that encourage us, us or challenges us to think of who the author might be besides Paul. Because the three things are, one, uh, uh, Melchizedek is mentioned three times. So Melchizedek is a high priest that's introduced in Genesis. We see him mentioned three times in Hebrews. We see that the author also draws a lot of attention to the Old Testament tabernacle, and he deals a lot of Jesus as the high priest. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3, we see that he distances himself from the first generation of Jesus' followers. So you take all three of those things, you put them together, and it's highly unlikely that it was Paul that was the author of this book. But what we want to take from this passage we don't know a lot about the author, but we do know a lot about the audience. So in this audience, the people here that the letter is being written to are people who are at a standstill spiritually and in danger of going backwards. The people that this letter is written to, they're at a standstill. 
spiritually. They're in danger of going backwards. They've been persevering and persevering. And at this time, the climate of everything, they're like, I don't know if I can keep on going. How many of us have felt like that before? I don't know if I could keep on going. I don't know if I could keep on persevering. I know and I want to believe, I want to believe with everything in me that there's more that I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to love more. I'm supposed to forgive more. I know that I'm supposed to proclaim the gospel to people around me. I know that I'm supposed to believe in God despite my circumstances, but you don't know what I'm going through. And I look around and I look around and I see what I have and it doesn't look like I have what I need to keep on going. I feel like I want to stop. And guess what? There are people in this room that are sitting right here, and you're like, yes, that's me, John. Right now, I have some stuff going on in my life, and I just want to stop. I don't know what to do. I want to stop. Maybe you're in the room, you're like, well, no, I'm good, John. Everything is good. But potentially this past week, you had some moments where you wanted to stop. You had some moments that were difficult. You had some moments that were hard. And maybe this past week was good, and maybe today is good. But keep on living. Keep on living. And you're going to have days where you really feel like giving up and, and stopping. And as you think about this, what the author is challenging them to do and what I want to challenge us to do is to take stock of what we have in Jesus. When you think about this idea of not stopping, not stopping, keep going. But the reason why we can do this, and this is our main focus this morning, is that in Jesus we have all we need to keep moving forward. Amen? In Jesus, we have all that we need to keep moving forward. Sometimes, yeah, we'll look around and we'll look at our resources and we'll be like, what is going on? I want to keep moving forward. But when I look at my life and I look at what I don't have and when I look at where I want to go, where I look at where God has called me to go and I look at my hands and I don't think I have what I need to keep on going. I want you to remember that in Jesus, we have all we need to keep moving forward. So, so as, we, as we look at this idea, we begin at uh, verse 1. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken, he has spoken to us by his son. So what's going on here? So as, as the scripture is letting us know that in the beginning, you look at the Old Testament, God communicated to us through his prophets of at least 10 centuries. That's how he communicated to us. But now we see that Jesus is here. Now we see that the son of God is here. And before we only had a partial revelation of who God was through the prophets. But in Jesus, we have a full revelation of who God is. So he's, he's encouraging them. And he's telling them, hey, you can't stop. You can't stop where you're at. You need to take a look at what you have in Jesus, everything that Jesus has to offer for you and I. Because when we want to stop, it's easy to look at a lack of our resources, but we have to remember the source behind every resource is Jesus Christ. He's the source behind every resource. So he's encouraging them, hey, you know, now we have the Son. And, and I love, you know, if you talk to different people, how many people uh, have spoken to people, you have family members or coworkers that have another faith besides Christianity. I'll show hands. All right. I do as well. And yesterday I was having a conversation, one of my gospel conversations with somebody. And as you go around, you're going to, as you meet people, hey, as a church, we are trying to engage and talk to people who don't believe the same thing as us so we can tell them about Jesus. That's so, so, so it's going to happen. And as you, as you talk to people, I was talking to this guy and he was telling me, he was like, yeah, you know, 
I believe in higher energy and vibes and the universe. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Um, and you think about all these religions and all, the, all, this, all this stuff that's out there. And as we, as we think about this, what's so interesting, this is a, 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 from the commentary of John MacArthur, and I love it, and it speaks to the power of Christianity. He says, as you think about this, every religion is but man's attempt to discover God. Every religion. As humans, we know that there's a higher power. We know that there's a higher being. And every religion is man's attempt to discover God. But Christianity, check this out. Christianity is God bursting into man's world and showing and telling man what he is like. Don't miss that. Every, every religion, every religion out there is us trying to discover who God is, who God is. But what we see in Christianity is God comes down to us. And he tells us and he shows us who he is through Jesus Christ. No other religion has that. Don't miss that. That's so powerful. And as we're looking right here, that's basically what they're saying. You know, it was the prophets. Now we have Jesus. Jesus. And, and, and as I think about them, what he's encouraging them, it's like, don't forget who you have with you. Now, how many people like taking road trips in here? By show of hands. All right. So I'd rather fly on my private jet um, that y'all pay for. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I barely have a car that could get me around. Um, <laughs> Um, I like, so every now and then, in college especially, I like to, to, to drive and take road trips. But I've, I've learned that there's two different types of people when it comes to road trips. There are the people, and you know who you are, you like to stop every 30 minutes to an hour. Where are y'all at? Where are y'all? Over there? One, two, three. Y'all going to have to get together because I can't stand it. Um, and then there are the other people that when we get in the car, we're not stopping until we have to fill up for gas, and then you, you, gotta, you have to use the restroom, you better hold it. Because we're not stopping. We're getting to where we want to go. So that's the group that I'm with. Um, so I remember taking a lot of different road trips, and I would have people that they were, they, they were in college with me, they were my buddies, and they were more on the other side. They liked to stop. They would come up with any excuse to stop. Oh, we need to take a picture or whatever the case might be. And I remember one time we were on a, a road trip and somebody was like, man, you know, I, I think I have a headache. You know, we need to stop because I need to get some, some Advil, some Tylenol. And then somebody else in the car was like, oh, I have some Advil and Tylenol. So we gave it to them and they were like, ah, you know, they got kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs> then next thing you know, same person. Um, I'm kind of hungry. I think we need to stop. I need a snack. <laughs> Somebody in the car has some food for him. Like, here you go. Take this. You know, you're like, ah, you know. I need to use the restroom. Here goes a cup. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, no, every single, they just kept coming up with different things. And people wanted to stop. They wanted to stop so bad, but we didn't stop. You know why? Because everything that we needed was in that car. And what we're going to look at, the, 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 the reality of who Jesus is in our life. A lot of times we look around and we think we need to stop. 
We think we need to stop leading, stop loving, stop serving. We think we need to stop persevering. We think we need to stop on the dream that God has placed on the inside of us. We think we need to stop believing and stop uh, having faith in God for what he's spoken to us. We have this pressure from the devil to make us feel like we need to stop. No, quit believing that. That's not going to happen. Quit loving. They don't love you back. Quit trusting. Quit, quit. You have all these voices, but at the end of the day, in Jesus, we have everything we need. And he's in the car with us. He's in the car with us. And as we, as, we, as we think about this analogy, I want us to focus in on what this passage tells us specifically. It says that we can keep moving forward because Jesus, this is our point if you're taking notes, we can keep moving forward because Jesus is superior to the previous prophets. So in this text, it starts off talking about the prophets and then talks about Jesus. And what I want us to look at is a couple things in verses of one, well, two through three that speaks to us why we can keep moving forward and how is Jesus superior to the previous prophets. First, you look there at the end of verse two. It says that he's the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all things. The prophets weren't the heir of anything. This passage tells us that Jesus is the heir. He is the firstborn. He is the heir of all things. He inherits everything. The prophets didn't get that. But in Jesus, the person who's with us that can keep pushing us forward, that can keep giving us strength to persevere, he's the heir of all things. What else can we see in this text? We can see it says, through whom also he created the world. So not only is he the heir of all things, but he's also the creator of all things. Prophets didn't create anything. Jesus, the person who's with us, the reason why we don't have to stop, the reason why we can keep on going is because Jesus Christ, who's with us, is the creator of all things. He's the creator of all things. That's powerful. Don't miss that. I look at, I think about my phone. This is the iPhone 10. But before I had this phone, I had the iPhone 5. Like literally, the one before this one. Um, so I got double for my trouble. Um, we went from five to ten. But the reason why I was able to keep my five for so long is because when I had problems with it, what did I do? I went to a demonic store called Apple. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Mark used to work for Apple. Um, but anyway, I'll go to Apple. He set up an appointment the whole nine yards. But I would go. Why would I go to Apple? Because they were responsible for that phone. Their company built that phone. So because their company created that phone, I would go to them and say, hey, this is what I have going on. And for you and I, we have Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, the creator of everything that you have going on in your life, the creator of everything that you see, every problem. He has control over it. And we want to go to Dr. Phil. We want to go to whoever. We want to read this book. But we need to go to Jesus because he's the creator of all things and he has the answers that we need. He has the answers that we need. I know how it feels to want to stop. It's easy to want to stop when you're leaning on your own strength. It's easy to want to stop when you're depending on yourself. But when you realize that you have the creator of all things that's with you, it's a game changer. So he's the creator all things. What else do we see in this passage? Why else is Jesus superior to the previous prophets? Um, it speaks to this right here in verse 3. says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the radiance of God's glory. As you think about radiance, think about, think about the sun. We can't, in our natural eye, we can't look at the sun. At least you're not supposed to. And if you did, you probably can't see me right now. 
but you're still listening, and I thank you for listening, but um, <laughs> we pray healing for your eyesight. Um, but we can't look at the sun with our naked eye. But you know what we can see? We can see the sun rays hitting the ground. We can see the light of the sun. And this, 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 this idea of, of being the radiance of God's glory is that we can't look at God with our natural, but we see Jesus. Humanity sees Jesus. And we see this radiance from Jesus. And then what else does it say? It says that um, in this passage, it says that he's the exact imprint of his nature. So why else is Jesus superior to the previous prophets? Because he's the exact representation of God. That's who he is. The prophets weren't that. They just communicated it. But in Jesus, we have the exact representation of God. And as you look at the word, this word right here, imprint, and some translations it says image, in its Greek, what does it mean? It means the exact representation of the very substance of. So it's one thing for me to go represent you, but I'm not the substance of you. But in Jesus, Jesus, this word right here lets us know that he is the full substance of God in flesh. That's amazing, y'all. He's the representation of God. Why else is Jesus superior to the previous prophets? It says that right here, it says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he's the upholder of all things. He's the upholder of all things. He's powerful. He's powerful. He upholds the universe. Do y'all know we are sitting around 93, 94 million miles away from the sun right now? Do y'all know that the earth right now is spinning a thousand miles per hour? You feel it? <laughs> if it will pause for a millisecond, it will fly us miles. Just this big ball, which is this, this small ball in this grand scheme of things. And as you think about that, think about how much power it takes to hold all that in order. Jesus upholds all of that in his hands. He is powerful. And, and what else do we see? Why else can we keep moving forward? Because Jesus is superior to the previous prophets. He's also the redeemer of mankind. He's a redeemer of mankind. What does it say? After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The redeemer of all mankind. Now, what's so don't don't miss this. So as you as you study text and as you study the temple and different things like that in Jerusalem, they didn't have chairs for the priests back then. You know why? Because the priest's job was never done. They had to keep making sacrifices. They had to keep making sacrifices. They couldn't sit down. But in our high priest of Jesus Christ, we see that he is seated. He is seated. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, so, so we see all these different things. As we're looking at the beginning of Hebrews, we see all these different things. And, and, and it makes me think about uh, just his power, his power being limitless. We think about all this stuff. And the, the, the big thing is, guys, what the author wants the church to know, what the people that are receiving this letter to know is like, hey, you have to remember who's with you. Because when we feel like stopping, when we feel like giving up, where does the devil attack us? In our minds. In our minds. There's an old saying, an idle mind is the devil's playground, workshop, factory, vacation, vacation land. We have to remember who Jesus is. 
And, and as we think about this, the, the reason why that's how this author, he starts off, I'm talking, this is chapter one, verse one. He starts off talking about who Jesus is. Because if the, if the devil can make you forget who Jesus is, he'll make you forget what Jesus has done. If the devil can make you forget while you're going through different tests and different tribulations and you want to give up and you want to stop believing and you want to stop persevering and you want to stop doing the things that God has called you to do. If the devil can make you forget who Jesus is, he'll make you forget what Jesus did. And because of what Jesus did for you and I, that's how we have power to keep persevering. Don't forget. Don't forget. He wants them not to forget. Don't forget who Jesus is is who forget what Jesus did because if you don't forget then you can be able to say boldly can't stop that's what I'm talking about y'all awake I love it so let's as, as we continue on as you look through this passage we can keep moving forward not only because Jesus is superior to the previous prophets but also in this text we see that he is superior to angels we see that he's superior to angels and there's a couple things that we see in here as you look at verses 4 through 14 one way we see is that he's the son of God Verse 5 says, you are my son. The angels weren't the son, but Jesus is the son of God. During this time, you know, there was a lot of big hype going on in the early church about angels and all these different things and the superiority of angels. But what this author wants the early church to know is like, yeah, angels came and they visited and they did this and they did that. But Jesus is superior to all of them. He is the only son of God. None of the other angels were the son of God. He's also worshipped by the angels. If you look at verse 6, it says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. He is worshiped by angels. He is superior to them. They worship him. They worship him. Also, we can see that he's superior to angels because he's eternal. Verse 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. He's eternal. He's immutable. Verse 12 says, but you are the same and your years will have no end. God is unchanging. The person who's with us, the reason why we can say can't stop, won't stop, is because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. How many of y'all have friends that change on you? How many people are sitting next to people that have changed on you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble before Valentine's Day. <laughs> but people change. You know why people change? Because people are conditional. Based on the condition of a human determines what a human does. But based on God, it doesn't matter what condition it is. God is unconditional in the fact that he loves us. He's the same. He doesn't change. His love for us is the same yesterday, today, forevermore. His grace is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Everything that we need from him is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. He's superior to angels. And what else? He's also superior to angels last because he's finished his work. You look at verse 13 and 14, it says, God says, sit at my right hand. He's finished the work. Jesus, the person who's with us, the reason why we can say can't stop, won't stop, he's finished the work for us, girl. He's finished the work. We're not, we're not fighting. You hear it all the time if, if you stick around here at Vintage. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. He's already finished it. And, and for a lot of us, we have, we're so stuck and we're looking right here and we're not seeing the broader perspective. We're not seeing that God has a perspective on what's going on. All we see is our limited view and we feel like we need to stop. But God says, trust me. 
I have finished the work on the cross for you. I conquered sin, death, and hell for you. And if you believe in me and you trust, you are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory because at the end of the day, once everything is said and done, Jesus will be ultimately victorious. Jesus is victorious. So so as we think about this, I I, I love this because as we think about this idea of Jesus being with us, that's amazing, right? He's in the car with us. Everything that we need to keep going is with us. But you know what else is so powerful about the gospel? Not only is Jesus with us, but Jesus is in us. Jesus is in you. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his spirit fills you up. And you, this void that you have is not void anymore because he is in you. I love Galatians 2 and 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Wow. Wow. Do you know who lives on the inside of you, Christian? The Son of God lives on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of us. And I know life gets hard, and I know we want to stop sometimes, we want to slow down, but you have to remember who's with you and who is in you. His strength is in you to make you continue to persevere and to press forward. Lastly, we can keep moving forward because Jesus is, not only is he superior to the prophets and superior to the angels, but he is superior to the world. Therefore, we should respond to difficulties. I want to encourage you with a couple things. We should respond in faith. We should respond in faith. As you, as you look at this whole book and as you look at it and as you package it together, you need to know that what we can take from this passage and what the audience was supposed to take from Hebrews chapter 1 is that no matter what's going on, through all of this stuff, because of who Jesus is, we can have faith. We can have faith. And you know what? Real faith requires real action. Think about it. Real faith requires real action. You can tell what someone believes by what they do. And for you and I, we have to look at ourselves. We have to look at what's going on in our life. We have to look at the situation that's making us feel like we want to stop, that's making us feel like we want to give up, that's making us feel like we want to throw in the towel, that's making us feel like it's too much. We have to look at that and we have to say, I still choose to believe. I still choose to have faith. I don't know where this road is going, God, but if you want me to put my right foot out, I'm going to put my right foot out. If you want me to put my left foot in front of my right foot, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to keep on walking. I don't see the whole stairwell, God, but you're showing me the next step, and I'm going to have the faith to believe in you and to persevere and to take that step. For some of us, we've been standing still. God is saying, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to keep moving. Don't stay on the ground. There's more work for you to do, but we're so scared. But we have to remember who Jesus is. And when we remember who Jesus is, we should respond with faith. Real faith requires real action. It requires real action. How should we respond? From that faith, we, we should have confidence. We should be confident should be confident and have confidence. As we think about this, this, this ideal is that as we think about what Jesus has done for us, you can be confident in his word. You can be confident in his promises. What's going on in your life? What are the things that are making you feel like you can't keep moving on? What are the things that seem so big? What are the things that are making you feel like you have no confidence? 
in Jesus, we should be confident. Lastly, boldness. From this faith, from this confidence, there should be boldness. We should be bold. We should be bold. I was reading in the F260 Bible reading plan for this past week in Acts, and as the Holy Spirit came upon the, the disciples, they were bold. They weren't timid. You have to be bold. I know when life hits you down, it's like, I could barely get up, John, and I could barely keep going, but you're telling me that Jesus is with me, so I'm going to keep going. But now you're telling me that you want me to be bold as well? Yes. If you're on the ground and you get up and you keep going and you keep believing God, then be bold with it. Either Jesus is for you or he's not, and we know that he is, so therefore we should be bold. Vintage Church, we should be bold with our gospel conversations. We're not talking about something we read in a book. If Jesus has transformed your life, you're talking about something that has transformed you from the inside out, and you should have confidence in that and be bold. You should be bold when you love your enemies. You should be bold when you forgive. You should be bold when you persevere. You should be bold when you keep believing that God's going to make a way and that he's going to let his glory be manifested through you. Like, you should be bold. You should be bold. So my question this morning is, will you keep moving forward, Vintage Church. Will you keep moving forward in that marriage? Will you keep moving forward at that job? Will you keep moving forward with that dream? Would you keep moving forward with the thing that God has placed on your inside of your heart? Will you keep moving forward and proclaiming the good news? Will you keep moving forward and not settling for brokenness, not settling for, for all the, 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 the depravity around us, but declaring that because Jesus came, because he lived, because he died, because he conquered sin, death, and hell, I am going to speak out. I'm not going to be quiet about it. Will you keep moving forward or will you stay stuck? This, this church, the, the, the group of people, the audience that this author is writing to, he's letting them know, don't get stuck. Vintage Church, don't get stuck. We have so many more people that we need to reach. There's so many more people you need to love. There's so many more people that some of us need to forgive. As we think about all these different things going on in our life, we need to be reminded that we can't stop and we won't stop. Jesus is with us, and Jesus is in us. You know, when I was in kindergarten, first grade, when I was running that race, fell, fell on the ground, boom, it's bleeding, tears in my eyes. I'm like, this girl is never going to like me again. If, if she did, I was going to get her a ring pop anyway. Um, I'm like, this girl's not going to like me no more. I'm on the ground, my little self, people are just passing me up. I'm in this big pothole, and I just said, I got to get up. I have to get up. I have to keep going. I have to finish this race. So the little six-year-old John wiped the tears out of his eyes. <laughs> he got up, dusted the little blood that was on his knees. He took off running. Run, John, run. I was thinking of run for us, run in my head. Run, 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 run. So I was passing people up. Passing people up, passing people up. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And I ended up finished first place for my category. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I share that story because for you and I, some of us have fell on the ground. And we're contemplating, will we get up and will we keep moving forward? 
And I pray with all my heart and I believe in all my heart as you look at this reality of who Jesus is. That you will have the strength. You have the power, not your power, not your own strength, but his power and his strength to get up, keep running forward. Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word, God. Your word is so powerful. Even as I look at my own life, God, I see different things that have come up that make me feel like giving up, that makes me feel like slowing down, God, that makes me feel like losing some of my belief in you. But dear Lord God, we know as we look at this passage, God, that you are with us, that you are the heir of all things, God, that you created all things, that you are the upholder of all things, God, that you are the son of God, and you are with us. So I pray, God, for everyone on the sound of my voice, anyone that's watching online. And I pray, dear Lord God, as we, as we think about this, this title of can't stop, won't stop, God, this just won't be something that we say to ourselves right now, but it will be something that we say to ourselves for every day to the, for the rest of our lives. From now until we're on our deathbed, God, as long as we have breath in our body, as long as we have our right mind, God, we want to keep persevering for you. So I pray for every person. God, I know some people, it feel like stopping because of financial hardship. Some people feel like stopping because of health. Some people feel like stopping because they feel alone. Some people feel like stopping because they have some, some pain or some unforgiveness in their heart that they haven't let go of yet, God. Some people feel like stopping because they're not making the progress that they thought that they would make. But I pray, God, right now in this moment, that you are empower us by your spirit so that we can know not by our strength, not by our might, God, but by your spirit, by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that name that we proclaimed earlier, no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. There's no name more powerful. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is the Son of God. So in the name of Jesus, we ask for you do for us for you to do for us God you know where we are you know what we're dealing with you even if we don't not dealing with something today God when something comes up God you're gonna know about it and we pray that we will reflect on these truths found in Hebrews chapter 1 and we can say confidently God that we can't stop and we won't stop in Jesus name we pray